Welcome to the Manifest Telecast. Now, directly beside me here is a replica of an archway of stone with three markings, the top post, the left of the post, and the right side of the post that deals with something found in the book of Exodus, but also is the imagery of the three crosses that were on Golgotha, the top center one being Christ, and then there was a thief on the left and one on the right, one thief that converted and the other that did not. But my message today is going to show you what I call a prophetic parallel for events that are soon to happen. Now, folks, it's very, very important that you give me your absolute undivided attention in what I'm about to share with you. Do not, do not uh, you know, walk away from your computer or switch it off or either take that remote and turn it. This is something you've got to hear that's a revelation from the Lord. Now, I'm going to begin by saying this, that one of my favorite passages from the Old Testament is Ecclesiastes 1, 9, and 10. I have used this for over 25 years. The thing which has been is that which shall be, and that which has been done is that which shall be done, and there's nothing new under the sun. That verse indicates that history is cyclical or that what you see in the past is going to repeat itself in the future. Many, many years ago, I went to the book of Exodus or I went to what is called the Exodus story. And there's several ways that you can read it. Number one, you can read it in its historical form, simply saying this is an event which happened in biblical history where the children of Israel came out of Egyptian bondage. So that's just reading it for history. Then there is reading it to get the, what we call the types and shadows out of it. Now the types and shadows is Christ is the lamb. They put the blood on the doorpost and by putting the blood on the doorpost, the death angel could not get in, but inside the home, they were eating the lamb and it brought healing. So that is redemption, salvation and healing. And so that is a spiritual aspect of the story. There's also the prophetic aspect. And this is the part that, in my opinion, many ministers miss. And, and really, it's not a minister's fault or they're ignoring it. It's just that most pastors or men who are pastors will spend time preaching messages from a practical perspective to help their congregations. There's only a few of us left, and I say this sadly, over 15 prophetic ministers have passed away, at least since 1992 when I was introduced to the prophetic teams at God's News Behind the News with Dr. Ray Brubaker. 15 at least have gone to be with the Lord, and there's only about four left that stick strictly with the prophetic teaching. And I want you to know that the prophetic message that is about to be released in the earth is a message that Satan himself would love to stop and disrupt because this is what's going to bring many, many, many people outside of the United States into the kingdom of God is the prophetic message. So you need to pray very strong and fast for all the prophetic ministers that remain that their voices will continue to go out around the world because people need answers. Now, having said that, I went to Exodus 12 and I started seeing something prophetically. I started seeing something that was fascinating. So there are four major events connected to the Exodus in Exodus 12 and 13 
that I want to give you. Now, this is not just a look at the Bible and see what you see here. This is a real prophetic word of the future, the things that's going to happen. The first thing that the Holy Spirit put in my heart is that the entire theme of Exodus, especially there in chapter 12, is the theme of a lamb and the theme of lamb's blood. And the Holy Spirit said in Revelation 12, 11, it says they overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Revelation chapter 12 indicates that Satan is the accuser of the brethren, that's men and women in the assembly, that's how it translates, in the assembly, before God day and night. Satan, the devil, is an accuser and a slanderer. That's what those actually words mean in the Hebrew or the Greek, Satan, the proper name Satan, or the devil. The only way to deal with the lies and assaults of Satan is to know your position in the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood saves, sanctifies, justifies, redeems. The blood restores. There's many scriptures in the New Testament that deal with what the blood of Jesus does. Satan has several different types of people that are his puppets on the earth that know nothing about the Bible, that are completely ignorant of scripture, that are reprobate in their mind, that trample under their own feet the power of the blood of Jesus. When a person who calls themselves a Christian is going under the blood to try to always, years later, pull out something wrong someone did, you are showing to your unsafe family members and you are showing to the world that the blood can't be trusted. You think a sinner listening to you run your mouth is going to want Jesus after what you say? Because you're telling them Jesus' blood was not good enough for sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so. So you're telling them the blood of Jesus is not good enough for them. And you're trampling the blood under your feet. I want you to notice something about this gate. If you'll read the Bible, left post, right post, and top post, three marks. The, the scholars say it was the letter Tav. The last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which in the early days was a plus sign or an X sign representing a cross. Today, it still represents a cross. But I want you to notice there is no blood on the floor. Do you know why? Because the blood has to be over you. It has to be above you and covering you. When they walked out of this house, the blood was covering them. If the blood of that lamb would have been on the floor, they would have trampled the blood under their feet. And when you have known the Lord and willfully go back, the Bible says you tramp, you crucify Jesus all over again. When you are a blood letter and what you do is you, you, you thrive on activity of going into the heavenly temple and yanking what's covered by the blood, forgotten by God, you sin a horrible sin. It may not be the level of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, but it's blasphemy against the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ because the blood of an earthly lamb had power to keep the strongest angel, the angel of death from entering the home of the Hebrew family and taking the life of the firstborn. How much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ that has cleansed and redeemed and revived and restored, how much more powerful is the blood of the son of the almighty God? And this is why redemption involves the blood. This is why every covenant involved the 
shedding of blood. The Hebrew word covenant is, is the Hebrew word brith, and it means to cut. It has the connotation of to cut something. And so here's my first word for you. There must be a revelation and there will be a revelation coming that's going to be greater than you've ever heard before on the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I do know that there are preachers and they go under different names that will not get in behind their pulpit and even mention the word, the blood of Jesus. One of my dear friends told me this story. I thought it was an amazing story, but he went to preach in a Western state and uh, they announced he was coming and the church was packed out. And so the pastor wanted to meet him before service. He says, no, pastor, we're very sensitive to people here. So I don't want you to mention sin. I don't want you to preach on sin. I don't want you to say anything about the blood because that's a, that's a negative message with some people. And the, the evangelist said, well, I guess you've taken away most of my messages. So I'm leaving. He said, you can't leave. He said, watch me. He grabbed his stuff and walked out the door. He wasn't going to preach that night because he's tying his hands and tying the hands of the gospel. And so the preacher said, what shall I tell the people? I said, he said, you go out there and tell them what you just told me, that you didn't want the blood preached and you didn't want anybody to talk about sin. There are people that do not want the blood of Jesus taught. And the main one is Satan because you overcome by two things. The blood of the lamb, meaning your sins are covered and the word of your testimony. If your sins have been covered by the blood, you can look at people and say, you're a liar. That Shambach used to, I think R.W. Shambach used to talk about uh, when people would want to bring up something. He'd say, that's the old Shambach. He was crucified with Christ and buried. I used to love when he preached that. And that's what happens to you. So the, there's going to be a revelation of the blood that's going to come about the power to redeem, to save, and to overcome. So you overcome by saying in the name of Jesus and by the power of the blood. The old timers, and there may, there may not have been an actual scripture for doing this, but the old timers that I grew up with used to talk about when the attack of the enemy would come, they would plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood. Now you plead either guilty or not guilty when you are presented in a court. You plead guilty or not guilty. Usually when you plead guilty, there's punishment. When you plead unguilty, you have a trial. Heaven's courtroom is the only place that when you go and say, I did it, I'm guilty, but I plead the blood that instead of God's wrath and punishment coming, if you truly repent and you plead the blood of Jesus, that's how you're forgiven. So if you walk around acting like, well, I didn't do that. That wasn't me. That was their fault. You know, this is money's missing. Well, they did it. You know, this is missing. Well, they did it. You know, and you know, it was you. I'm saying that's just, yeah. oh, I'm just preaching right here all over the place. So there's going to be a revelation of the power of the blood that's going to come because Satan, that's the message he hates, he despises because that destroys him as an accuser. He cannot legally accuse someone that the court of heaven and the temple of heaven has put the blood under. Now he can do it, he can try, but the wrath of God will come on people, Romans chapter one, when they try to do that. Number two, the revelation of healing by the lamb's body. Now in Exodus 12, it said they cooked, they roasted the lamb and they ate all of it. Now, most of the time in Old Testament sacrifices, they did not eat all of whatever. God said, lay aside the kidney, lay aside the fat, lay aside the intestines, lay aside this and just cook the meat. 
This is interesting. Now, I don't want to go into this in detail. It's too complicated. But many years ago, Dr. John Miller, I uh, had him on a program and I wrote a book called The Meal That Heals, which dealt with communion, taking communion every day uh, for healing and strength, etc. And uh, that's we're not going to get into that. If you can order that book, The Meal That Heals from our ministry. And Dr. Miller talked about cell therapy, how that in parts of Europe for years, they would take a, the, uh, the, uh, the fetus of a lamb before the immune system was developed and they would cut that up and put it in a saline, saline solution and they would inject it and they would inject it into d different parts of the body and the cells, the cells from that lamb, the little, that little infant lamb, and I'm, I'm, I'm giving this an abbreviation. Please don't ask me to get, to get your research for you. This is way back when. But long story made short, it would heal that part of the body. I and we talked about this, how that when they ate the lamb, whatever part of the body needed healing, that they ate all of it, remember, whatever part of the body needed healing, it, that part went to that part of that person's body. Now, how do we know that? Because the Bible said that God brought them forth with plenty of gold and silver and not a feeble person was among their tribe. Now imagine this, this is a 600,000 men not counting women and children coming out of Egypt and yet they are healed. Now today, what we do is we partake of the Lord's Supper or communion and not only do we remember the Lord's death till he comes, not only do we judge ourselves and get anything out of our life that would be a hindrance, but it can bring healing. How do we know that? Because the Bible says, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you many sleep because you did not discern the body of Christ. So if you discern his body and the power of his blood in his body, that is what brings healing to you. Isaiah said in chapter 53, with his stripes we are healed. And second Peter said, by his stripes ye were healed. So this is very, very important to understand. So there's going to be uh, more of a teaching of a restoration, because we're talking about four events to happen soon, concerning the, the blood of the lamb, which is Jesus Christ, and concerning the healing by the lamb, who is Jesus Christ, because the atonement includes salvation of sins and it also includes healing. Uh, Matthew 8, 17 talks about himself, took our infirmity and bare our sickness. So he, he took our sins, but he also bare our sicknesses. But this, this is a revelation by the quickening of the Holy Spirit that must come to your own spirit for you to receive. Now here's the third thing that's gonna happen. And I believe this, it says this, that when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, they went and got the jewels gold, silver, and jewels from the Egyptians who were glad to give it to them and as they departed. Now, you got to remember, these were slaves that were working for free for Pharaoh, so all they did was got their back pay from the people that they worked for that paid them nothing. They weren't stealing anything, so keep that in mind. And of course, they used the gold and silver for the furniture of the tabernacle, for the sockets of the post of the tabernacle, and the gemstones could be used in the breastplate of the priest. All this was practical, and much of it would be used for the tabernacle that would be built in the wilderness. However, I saw in that what Proverbs, I believe it's 1322 says, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. Now, I hear people say this, uh, and this is kind of funny. Those apartments that you live in, bless God, one of these days you're going to own them. Can I tell you something? I do not want to own apartments. Dealing with people that rent from you is a pain. And every time the apartment has a problem, you got to fix it. No, I don't want that. Now, you may own them. God bless you. I hope you do well. But I hear people say, you know, uh, you're driving that beat up car held together by Christian bumper stickers. One of these days, God's going to give you a Rolls Royce. Really? You know what they cost? 
And first of all, second of all, how would you want, why would you want to drive a Rolls Royce? How are you going to drive it in town? Where are you going to park it? I mean, you're going to be scared that somebody's going to scratch it or steal it. Who wants that? Now, if you got one, praise God, drive it, have fun. But this idea of the wealth of the wicked, now listen to me. This is not some kind of a selfish, greedy scripture that I'm going to be, I'm going to have everything, uh, wealth I want and I'm going to be rich and everybody's going to look at me saying, yeah, yeah, look at him and look at her. No, no, no. Here's the thing about wealth that you've got to understand. When the Bible talks about wealth, it means substance and it means provision. And so a lot of times we have needs and provision, but what God wants us to have is enough to meet the need and then enough to go above to be a blessing to other people. So if you can meet your needs every month and you still have enough to give a tithe or offering, you can call yourself blessed. Now, the reason God just doesn't pour out heavy sustenance or blessing financially on a lot of people is they would abuse it for themselves. God has to see, if you'll read, if you'll read the parables, God has to see that you're faithful in little things before God will give you the bigger things in your life. You have to be faithful. In, and even the Bible says you have to serve another man and be over another man's stuff. Then God can trust you with your own stuff. All these are in parables and we don't have time to get into that. But I do believe that the wealth transfer in, in, involves different things. It can be a building that you get that's donated for your church. It can be land or prop, property that someone gives you a great deal on. You know, when you save money, that's like you have money. You save ten, twenty thousand dollars that's like money in the bank, as the old man says. And I got to finish this last one here. So there's going to be a wealth transfer at some point, meaning God's going to provide for you in areas you didn't expect or you did not know he would do. The fourth one, and this is a word I got many years ago, and, and let me explain this to you. Joseph was dying in Genesis chapter 50, 25, and he predicted that the children of Israel would one day come out of Egyptian bondage. And then when they would come out, not to leave his bones in Egypt, but to bring his bones out. So in, in Genesis chapter 50, 25, 50, 26, it happens. Now in Exodus 10, 26, when the children of Israel, hundreds of years later, are preparing to come out of Egyptian bondage, one of the things that Moses did is he went and found the gold coffin that held the bones of Joseph and he carried them all the way through the wilderness, the bones of Joseph in that coffin. And when they got to the promised land, they ended up burying Joseph in Shechem, which was the very place that his brothers had threw him into a pit. So God brought him back to honor him in the very place where the enemy tried to destroy him. Woo, that's a, that's a message I could preach right there. Now, I believe this idea of uh, Exodus 13, 19, of the bones being in Egypt and coming home is a word that the Holy Spirit gave me that, that said, tell people their bones are coming home. And I knew what it meant. I, didn't, I knew it did not mean bones in a cemetery. Joseph's bones represent his promise that God would bring the children of Israel out. Let me say that again. Joseph's bones in the story represent a old, old promise that God gave to Abraham in Genesis 15, over 430 years old, that the children of Israel would one day come out, his descendants would one day come out of a land of a tongue they didn't understand. That was Egypt. And also his Joseph's bones represented not only the fulfillment of that promise, but the promise that they would not leave him in Egypt. Egypt is a picture of, in the Bible of bondage. Pharaoh is a picture of Satan. Bondage is Satan. You're not going to leave my bones here. Who, now here's the message for you. Who are your children 
your grandchildren who are not in church, who are not serving God, how long have you been praying for them? How long have you been believing God to deliver them from the captivity that they're under? What you need to do is you need to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I, I want that promise of Joseph. You won't leave my bones in Egypt when the departure happens. When the coming of the Lord, the departure, the great departing, the gathering together of the saints, the catching away, 1 Thessalonians 4 takes place. I don't want my children and grandchildren to be here. I want them to come out of that bondage. I want them to make that journey into the promised land. So you need to pray, Father, I want my bones, my family, I want that promise. In other words, I want that promise that my family will be saved. I want that promise they're coming out of bondage. I want it to be restored to me. Your bones are coming home. Your kids, I'm going to tell you, I had a situation with my own family, with my son, and the enemy really tried to take him out a couple times, and we held on to God, and we had people praying, and today, he's a wonderful young man serving God, working in the ministry. It took years of prayer, but I, I held on to that verse, my bones are coming home, my bones. If they got my bloodline, if they got my DNA in Jesus' name, I'm not letting them go to hell. I'm not letting them leave without redemption. I'm going to pray until it happens, and if I go to be with, with the Lord, my prayer will remain in heaven and the golden vials and one day be opened and God will answer it. Man, I wish I had more time to preach, but I here again, the restoration of the blood, preaching on the blood, healing, the wealth transfer, and your children that are away from God are coming home. I hope this has been a good word for you. And so um, please, please keep watching. We stay on the air because you purchased the offers that we have. Got something really great you need to get. Be back in a minute. My new book titled The Visions contains specific details of visions and revelations involving future, both national and international events, from visions and encounters that I have recorded in my private journal. I've waited for the right prophetic season to disclose these warnings and events. God's Word states that if spiritual watchmen do not warn the people of the danger they see coming, the watchmen will be held accountable for what happens to the people. After experiencing much inner conviction in my soul, I sensed it was the right time to pen what I and others have seen. Much of this book covers warning visions explaining what is coming and how to prepare. I've divided the visions into what was, what is, and what is to come. Here are some of the subjects I will cover in the book. Learn the four different types of spiritual visions. I explain ancient oracles exposing how leaders attempted to see the future. Visions of cities burning, both present and future, including New York City. My father's vision of a planned East Coast nuclear attack. Also, my recent visions concerning cremation ovens. I experienced a vision of a frightening assault on a public school that I want to share with you. I have, for many years, experienced tsunami visions, and I've decided to release that information and include the locations that I have seen in those visions. There is a vision of a nuclear power plant that initiates a stock market crash. There's a vision of empty cities and empty streets that I believe is linked to the recent pandemic and possibly another pandemic coming. The vision of the 10 mile radius bioweapons attack on London, England. And also I've seen in three different visions, a strong earthquake impacting the Midwest, especially the St. Louis area. I also talk about the strange vision of three tornadoes that I believe cost Hillary Clinton her political future. 
I share a vision revealing future attacks on individual Christians and churches. I also talk about when political leaders and their administrations lose divine favor with God. I have a section where I talk about 2024 and beyond, and I've included what I believe to be an interesting historical parallel about a possible Trump second term, the coming revival through the lens of a camera. One of my favorite chapters that's gonna be very helpful to you is this, 10 Rules and Wisdom Principles for Surviving and Thriving at the End. The book also has important instructions for the reader to follow. When you order this new book, I'm also including my two audio CD teaching, The Battle of the Two Marks, which exposes the future mark of the beast and explains the mystery of the seal of God, both which are alluded to in the book of Revelation. Get the new book in the audio CD now for your donation of $35 or more. Ask for offer VS 141. You can order at perrystone.org or by calling toll-free 1-888-21-BREAD or mail your order to Perry Stone, P.O. Box 3595, Cleveland, Tennessee, 37320. I hope every prophetic student, intercessor, and those interested to know what is ahead will take time to order this new spiritual resource. I've written this in the fear of the Lord, but I believe it's now the time to release the messages. A remnant is now waking up and preparing. What about you? Let me encourage you to be sure and get the book while we still have it available and offering it. It's in its second printing already, which we're grateful for. But most of all, I believe that it's a, a now word from the Lord. I love just not preaching a message. I love preaching something that you can apply and know where things are going and how to plan. And one of the most important chapters in this book, in my opinion, is that the 10 rules and principles for surviving and thriving in the end time. And it's many pages there, finding a safe haven place to live at the time of the end. That's that last chapter 24. It's a lot of things in there. And also for you that love the prophetic teaching that we do, if you did not get America's Apocalyptic Reset, this was a major word. Uh, I took time away from the ministry, but I began to write because when you're away from the pressure and the cares and all the things happening, your mind becomes clearer. And I really received uh, several major downloads uh, that uh, when I would share it with other people, they would say, man, I've never heard of that. So all that's available through perrystone.org, which is our website. And we also have a great online store. Now, don't forget, people are asking about downloads. We do have numerous downloads available to purchase. And I want to make, make you aware of the fact that it costs, people say, you should offer that free. Well, it didn't cost, it cost me to do it, print it, print it, you know, and postage. So you wish you could do that, but you can't. When you, when you purchase something, you help keep this program on the air. Our airtime is about $5 million a year, and that's how we pay for it, because we don't send out letters asking for money. So thank you for your support, and I'll see you next week. Make plans to attend the 2022 International Prophetic Summit, June 23rd through 26th at Omega Center International in Cleveland, Tennessee. Come hear the latest prophecy updates from Jonathan Kahn, Kurt Landry, Mark Biltz, Bill Cloud, and Perry Stone. This huge event kicks off Thursday night and continues all day Friday and Saturday, concluding in a doubleheader with Bill and Perry on Sunday morning. There is no fee to attend, but you must register online at perrystone.org, where you will also find information on hotels in the area. Seating is limited, so sign up today. Don't miss fresh insights and exciting new prophetic revelation, as each speaker proves that we are living in the end of the age and headed toward a date with destiny, including the return of the Messiah. The 2022 Prophetic Summit. Register now.
Perry Stone invites you to join him for his 2022 Israel tour. The dates are November 20th through the 29th, with an optional visit to Petra in the country of Jordan. Call 1-888-321-3629 or visit perrystone.org for more information and how to register. Seating is limited, so call today.